0: Welcome to Ontario County History and Culture. I'm Preston Pierce, and I will be the program moderator today. For the past 37 years, I've been the Ontario County Historian. I teach history here at Finger Lakes Community College. And since 2014, I've also been the museum educator for the Ontario County Historical Society. This podcast is sponsored by the Cheshire Community Action Team, the Ontario County Arts Council, and the Ontario County Historical Society. I'm speaking to you from the Finger Lakes TV podcast studio on the main campus of Finger Lakes Community College. With me in the studio right now is Ed Varno, the Executive Director of the Ontario County Historical Society. Ed, first of all, I want to congratulate you on the recognition you recently received from the State Council on the Arts. From my vantage point, well-deserved More than that, I think it speaks volumes for the work of the society in the 21st century. I know it focused on your work with media and technology. So could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. uh, Thank you very much, by the way. It uh, was quite an honor to get a statewide award. They seem to give it to you on your way out, you know. But (laughs) anyway, uh, this is is called the Ann Ackerson um, Innovation and Technology Award Leadership Award. And it is given uh, to an individual once a year uh, through the uh, Museum Association of New York, and uh, that award is given for a uh, uh, an effort to bring technology into organizations, museum organizations, and to use that technology uh, in a positive way to promote the organization. Uh, With the Historical Society. I was nominated by Wilma Townsend, our curator, by the way, and a special thanks to her. But this uh, project um, was um, initiated by back in 1997 when the Historical Society was just trying to figure out its direction after a number of years of uh, not really having a good direction or any direction, and uh, I decided that uh, maybe we can mesh history with the information age, and with the uh, agreement of the Board of trustees we were we actually bought a computer system and the computer system had a server and a number of um, like nine slave computers and we uh, got an internet site and we started uh, promoting the historical society uh, through the internet and of course as time went on with that base we were able to get into you know social media and Uh, some of the other technologies that followed. But I think that the award was based on the fact that we got into uh, uh, information technology very early on and were able to parlay that into a positive positive way for museum promotion.
0: I think uh, it was a well-deserved award on your part and also on the part of the museum and the Historical Society. I know the Historical Society was chartered in 1902, It's one of the oldest cultural institutions in the county. Could you uh, give us a quick overview of the Society's history?
1: Uh, Sure, Preston. The uh, Historical Society uh, was really established in the late 1800s, but received its uh, charter from the state of New York in 1902. And the organization was um, started uh, with a fellow by the name of Charles Milliken, and Mary Clark Thompson was involved, and Antoinette Granger and uh, they really felt there was a threat to um, our, uh, org- our, our community from the uh, influx of Italians and Irish and other immigrants that were rapidly coming into uh, the county in the early 1900s. And they felt that uh, there, we needed an organization that would help to preserve uh, the early heritage of the county. And that was the purpose of the Historical Society, and it continues with its purpose today today and that is to promote and preserve uh, the history of Ontario County. The original uh, museum that the Historical Society had was across the street and basically where the current, I think it was the old federal courthouse and now is the YMCA, Uh, there was a little tiny uh, law office there that they occupied as their museum, and in 1914 uh, they built uh, the current uh, facility uh, basically right across the street uh, on Main Street.
0: That's a beautifully designed building. I believe that was uh, the work of Claude Bragdon. Had quite a reputation in Rochester. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Claude Bragdon was an amazing architect, and he was he was basically local. Um, he designed the New York State Rail, uh, the New York Central Railway Station in Rochester, and uh, he was kind of a mystic and um, uh, was a. Uh, uh, an architect that uh, Mary Clark Thompson and Charles Milliken found and brought him down to
0: Canandaigua. Well, it's a good thing they did. I know for many residents of Canandaigua in particular of a certain age, that building was associated with the Wood Library, but it's always been a historical society building with the Wood Library as a tenant. When did that uh, separation take place?
1: The separation took place in about 1976 when the Wood Library was out of space, and they were seeking a new, uh, a new home. Of course, they they went back across the street to the old, uh, uh, I guess it was a medical office building next to the old Thompson Hospital, and occupied that. It was the old, uh, it was the Char, I think, uh, Sibley House, that was uh, a very early home, and they they took that and occupied it. But it's interesting that the Original, uh, uh, the original reason the Wood Library came on board with the Historical Society is for money. And uh, the Wood Library agreed to pay all the heating costs associated with the building at the time. And if you go through the museum now, you see there was a lot of fireplaces that received a lot of uh, use during those years. So uh, money was not uh, something that was around. The good old
0: days before central heating. That's correct. As we look to the future, what uh, lessons has the historical society learned about planning for the future? I think that the, uh,
1: the historical society needs to focus on its name, history and society. History goes on. You know, time produces our product, and that's kind of an interesting way to look at it. Um, but without the people, the history does not come alive. So as a historical society, people who are interested in our history that want to preserve it and to want to promote it uh, certainly um, have brought uh, our county's history um, to the forefront and have preserved it for future uh, generations.
0: As a society grew in the late 20th century, one of the things that became obvious was that it got to have the size and the finances that required some full-time management. Uh, I know there were other full-time directors prior to you, but they didn't stay very long. What was it that brought you there and got you to stay for 25 years?
1: certainly wasn't the pay. (laughs) No, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, my education is in administration. And uh, coming on board to an organization that really had – many problems at the time, it proved to be a challenge that uh, I was uh, interested in, in uh, trying to conquer. And in doing that, uh, you just kind of start doing the work and you start meeting the people and you start, uh, you know, it's like having your own charge. You know, this, there's, I took the historical society under my wing, so to speak, and really wanted to see it succeed and want to make it uh, be the best cultural organization in the county.
0: I know you took over in a time of crisis you certainly did a great job of pulling it through and bringing it to where it is today. As we look to the future, there are opportunities on the horizon. There are for every organization, but could you say a little bit about the most promising opportunities for the future, for the society in the next decade or two?
1: Sure. The
0: uh, opportunities oftentimes, uh, are based in
1: need and, uh, one of the needs that the Historical Society certainly has is a space need. And when the uh, Wood Library moved out in, uh, in the 70s, uh, the Historical Society basically absorbed all the space they had and, uh, and were able to uh, use that in a uh, very positive way. But as time goes on, like I said, you know, time creates your product. Uh, more and more things come to the museum. More and more space is used. And now the uh, the challenge that the historical society faces is that of space. Now the opportunity that's out there, uh, Russ, in a um, in in where we are going with the museum, and where where what are we going to do about archival management and uh, community space? Now we did a um, a building condition report. Um, Couple of years ago, that told us the problems with the building, and as a 1914 building, there are problems. Uh, then we did a uh, study of space. So, with the understanding of the building's problems and acknowledging uh, through architectural analysis that we are out of space, the uh, challenge then was to determine where, where what would the museum use uh, for its. Uh, function in the next twenty years or next generation, and that's the subject of a study that's going to be undertaken uh, starting this year through Barrow Architects, and we're going to produce a master plan for the museum facility. And from that master plan, we will uh, uh, we will wind up uh, finding out exactly what we're going to be doing here uh,
0: to provide our uh, mission and services in the next twenty years. You mentioned the collection. Uh, could you say a little bit about? What's in the collection? Uh, how the society acquires the items that are in the collection, and how that collection is used? Sure. the uh, The collection is under the management of our curator, Wilma
1: Townsend, and of course we hold it in public trust through a state region's charter. the um, The collection is it's phenomenal, and there's hundreds of thousands of items in the collection of the consist of uh, three-dimensional items uh, ephemera which is basically paper and uh, photographs and a lot a lot of research books and we also have a collection of rare documents the um, the collection is acquired largely through donation we purchase rarely rarely purchase anything uh, in the uh, for the collection and and most of the stuff was donated now, some of the more prominent things that people may be aware of in the collection is we hold the uh, one of the two copies of the Canandaigua Treaty, or the Pickering Treaty, and that uh, goes on display every year uh, on uh, Treaty Day, which is November 11th. We also hold a uh, one of three uh, Lincoln life masks that were uh, produced by a guy by the name of Volk, and that came to us through... Uh, a donation of Senator uh, Senator Raines back in the uh, early 1900s. That is a life mask that was taken of of Lincoln uh, during the Republican convention in the 1860s before he was, uh, you know, nominated to be to run for president. And the collection goes on and on. We have the original charter of the Marquis de Denonville from the uh, uh, Louis Cator's that uh, gave him the authority to come and govern New France. I mean, it just goes on and on and on.
0: And uh, how do you uh, use the collection to educate the community? What are some of the programs that today are uh, most popular with the public?
1: The collection is used in a number of ways. We, We don't have the space to have as much on display as we would like at all times. So therefore, we have annual rotating exhibits, and those exhibits are basically uh, based on themes. For instance, uh, starting in May, our theme is going to be immigration, and we'll be bringing uh, artifacts relative to the immigration uh, in Ontario County uh, to the forefront. Uh, we recently have had an exhibit on uh, suffrage. Uh, we had one on World War I, and during these exhibits, we're able to bring these items down and uh, put them in a, in a formal exhibit. Uh, for people to see. Then, of course, uh, if uh, we have, um, we have uh, educational programs associated with those themes, and of course, Preston, you're associated with a lot of those, and uh, we're able to uh, use uh, pieces of the exhibit, uh, pieces of the collection rather, to uh, let people know a little more about uh, what, what's in there and also how it relates to them as an individual and, and their community.
0: Talking about communities and people making use of it, uh, what are the changing demographics for the museum, for museums in general and other cultural organizations?
1: We, uh, in the museum field, like to consider um, them as audiences. And so uh, there's an audience that uh, does X, and you know, there's a, a audience of, that are over 50, there's an audience that are youth, there are an audience that are... Uh, genealogists. There's a number of different audiences. Uh, we have a techno or a cyber audience rather, and we have an audience that comes into the museum uh, to see our exhibits. Um, it's not all demographics. It has to do with interest and function and organizations. And so, uh, knowing uh, organizational dynamics and how organizations interact each, with each other is certainly a, a, a big piece of uh, of determining what your uh, audiences are.
0: One of the major factors in the tourism industry, which is very important to Ontario County, is what is now known as cultural tourism or heritage tourism. You see a lot of people coming to the museum who are interested in heritage tourism, people, for example, who might come from out of state. Absolutely. Summer is a wonderful time to meet people from outside the
1: area. Um, We get a number of Canadians uh, that come in. We have people from uh, across New York state. We have uh, people that come up from the Maryland area and uh, we've had people from Alaska. We've actually even had somebody that came in from Australia that was doing uh, some research on a family member that lived in Clifton Springs in the 1800s. So we get a wide variety of people coming in, uh, but you know the. Not only are they doing research. A lot of times they're curious, and the main question we get from people at the front desk is, "What started this place? Look at these homes. You know, this is an amazing town. You know, it's in such good shape. And those type of questions really uh, uh, guide us in how we tell people the history of the community.
0: One of the things that you use to present the history of the community of course is not just the artifacts you have but the documents and the printed material that's in the archive and the library that's part of the museum could you tell us a little bit about that and what's in that collection how it's used
1: boy oh boy um it's a it's a very uh large uh collection of uh research uh documents that we use to uh to study and understand the history of the county uh, for instance uh, Oliver Phelps who was a uh, you know the founder of our uh, of our county along with Nathaniel Gorham wrote a number of letters uh, during his sale and and activities here in the late 1700s we have his collection of letters uh, in a in our rare documents file um, that is, that is a very revealing set of documents uh, that uh, tell uh, early history of Ontario County. The the research dot books, you know, you can find anything you need about the early history of this county, the early history of western New York, and the areas that was known as the Genesee country. So it's it's really wide. We are not a lending library uh, because we are just a research library, but certainly if people come in, they can. Uh, we have full access and finding aids on information that they may be interested in.
0: I know you have a tremendous collection on the Civil War. One of the early founding members of the Society was Charles Richardson. Uh, Richardson was a veteran of the Civil War and held several county positions. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the books and materials on the Civil War that he donated.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Charles Richardson, uh, I believe he started the 126th Regiment. Is that correct? I believe You're, so. okay, so he was uh, he's a uh, formed this regiment and he went off to war and was injured a, a couple of times and uh, came back and uh, uh, was appointed to the Gettysburg Commission to, uh, to replace someone who had either died or could not continue to serve. and in being on the Gettysburg Commission, he assembled just an amazing collection of books on the Civil War, including an original report of the Civil War that was done by the United States government. And that's a multi-volume um, uh, uh, set of books that uh, tells everything from, you know, who was in what battles to messages being passed along the field. It's just a it's an amazing collection of information on the war. So we do. We have a lot of that. We have some original uh, roster books that people signed to uh, register and to join the Civil War. A lot of regimental histories we have. Um we get, re- we get questions on Civil War all the time from researchers.
0: And I know you have a lot of things that some people might not consider too terribly historical, but they will be very important in the future. For example, I know there's a growing collection of local high school yearbooks in your collection.
1: They become really handy because, uh, again, as people are interested in their genealogy, uh, they, uh, they want to see uh, what was Jim Smith like in high school. And, of course, if we know when he uh, when he graduated or when he was in the school, we can pull that information out. And uh, from the uh, uh, Canadaigua Academies, what was it called, the Academian or uh, what, whatever the name of the uh, uh, the uh, yearbook was. But we also have the Naples Nepo- Neapolitan. Uh, there are some from some of the other school districts in the county. But our best collection is of Canadaigua Academy yearbooks.
0: Well, I think that uh, probably has to do with the fact that the Academy went back to the 1790s, although I believe the Academian really goes back only about half that far. But it's still a sizable collection. Speaking of the collection and using it for family history, it's my understanding that the Ontario County Genealogy Society is headquartered at the museum, has their meetings there. How do they contribute to the success of the museum?
1: Well, first of all, the, uh, we do a lot of genealogy research. I mean, it's probably 30% of the research that goes on at the museum. And the Genealogy Society has helped to organize and to uh, uh, save critical pieces of genealogy uh, relative to the county's history. They've donated just a raft of books to us. And uh, they provide technical assistance uh, to us in our research efforts. Many of the people that are on the Genealogy Society, of course, they meet every the first Wednesday of every month at the Society. Uh, but those people that are on the Genealogy Society oftentimes overlap with the, with the ladies in the DAR. And the DAR and the Genealogy Society, they're very focused on uh, genealogy research. And between them, we, there isn't a problem we can't solve if the information is out there uh, and someone is looking for uh, information on their, on their family or their family tree. Uh, we do a pretty good job in uh, being able to find that through the help of the Genealogy Society and the DAR.
0: Changing the subject just a little bit. In the time that remains to us, uh, tell us a little bit about the National History Day program and how that's developed at the museum.
1: I knew you'd get to that, Preston. National History Day is a uh, national program where students compete on a number of uh, levels uh, to... to, to win the chance to go on to higher levels of competition. We are the Ontario County Historical Society is the Finger Lakes Regional Coordinator for National History Day. And every year, usually in March, we have the competitions and those uh, those students that win get to go on to Cooperstown, which is usually a contest in April. Uh, right now, we uh, have a couple of different schools that are involved, and we're trying uh, very hard to expand it. And if your school or you, as a student or a parent, are interested in having your uh, son or daughter participate in History Day, please feel free to contact the historical society. Um, we have been the regional coordinator since the year two thousand, and uh, we uh, certainly have enjoyed our, our work with the uh, with the NHD people in, in Cooperstown. The other thing is that uh, the uh, History Day is heavily funded by our uh, membership, and every year they donate money for uh, staff or for uh, student prizes. Um, The only disappointing thing that I can say about History Day is that the Candidate School District does not participate in this program. And I would really like to see uh, Super, uh, Superintendent uh, Jamie Farr work with the Historical Society and their history departments to have the students at Canada will participate in something that's you know, just in their own hometown.
0: Thank you. It uh, appears that we're running out of time for this segment of the interview and the podcast. So I want to thank you for being with us today. And it's time for our next guest. And
1: Preston, it's been a joy and a pleasure. And uh, thank you for all you've done for the county in history.
0: Thank you. This is Preston Pierce. I'm here with George Heron, co-creator of Ontario County History and Culture Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first episode as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Ed. Preston, I certainly did. And you were just scratching the surface, to be honest about it. There's so much more to cover about what gives Ontario County its character and and prominent place in history. Next week, we will switch gears and talk with Judy Cermak, a longtime member of the Ontario County Arts Council, who's currently serving as president of its board of directors. And I'm looking forward to it, to be certain. Thanks, George. Thank you to our listeners. From the Finger Lakes Television Studio at Finger Lakes Community College, we wish you a great day.